Psalm chapter 31. Psalm chapter 31. This is a great psalm, and there's some really good lessons in it. There's one verse that I'd like to really focus on, and I pray that the Lord would bless it to be an encouragement to you, and uh, uh, I pray that it will honor the Lord. Psalm 31. Verse 15 just simply says this. My times are in thy hand. And so David says that coming off of the heels of going through discouraging times. And David highlights his situation here in Psalm 31. And he talks about people that are pursuing him, people that are after him. He talks about being distraught. He talks about being in distress. And then he changes his tune almost. He changes his way of thinking when he begins to think about not the situation, but he begins to think about the Lord. And he just simply says right here something that would be really good for us to hold on to because it affects every single one of us here. He says, my times. He doesn't just say one time or a certain time, but he said, my times. And that's all of our times are in the hand of the Lord. Now, first of all, aren't you glad that they're in his hands? Aren't you glad that they're not really in your hands or my hands? Aren't you glad that there's not other folks that could be in charge of your times? But it's the Lord that is in charge of your times. And he highlights that right here. David says, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Now, he starts out this psalm and he starts it out and he ends it up the very same way. He starts out and he says that he's going to trust in the Lord and he ends up and he says and encourages us to trust in the Lord. And then he sort of uh, brings to our attention some things that he was struggling with and yet how he was reminded by these promises to help him. He says, Lord, in thee do I trust. He says, uh, let me never be ashamed and deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me, deliver me speedily, be thou my strong defense for an house of defense to save me. David is, and and a lot of times when we read God's word, it is to remind us of these very promises that maybe we've heard before, maybe we've known before, but we need to be reminded over and over again. That's why it's good for us to sing about them. It's good to read about the promises of God to remind us of these situations. And then when situations come in our path, it's amazing if we've been singing about it, if we've been reading about it, if we've been looking at God's word and we've been gleaning on the promises of God. It's amazing how that when a difficulty comes in our life immediately. God will bless with the verse of encouragement, either through song or through the scriptures that will encourage us and help us at this time. He says, Lord, you're my rock. Lord, you're my fortress. Therefore, by thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Now, that's real good. If you want a verse that you can write down and and tape on the dash of the car or on the refrigerator, this is really a good one right here. 
that the Lord is our rock. The Lord is our fortress or our safe place, our place of protection. He says, the Lord is my rock. He's my fortress. He says, lead me and guide me, Lord. And then he comes down and I'm not going to go into all of this, but he comes down and he, he begins to talk about his individual struggles and his individual challenges right here. And his challenges, David's challenges, are different from yours and different from mine. But we can relate to the scenarios that David experienced right here. David highlights that he was struggling with, there was enemies that were pursuing him, his own family, his own son. And he, he sort of, everything begins to weigh down upon him. And so David states his concern. He states his anxiety. He states his condition. But then over and over, he doesn't stay in that state. He doesn't stay in that condition because he remembers the promises of God. And so chapter 31 really highlights that for us. He says, have mercy upon me, Lord. I'm in trouble. He says, uh, my eye is consumed with grief. My soul and my belly for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength faileth because of mine iniquity and my bones are consumed. He sounds like a pretty rough situation here. I was a reproach among mine enemies, but especially among my neighbors and, a, and, and fear to mine acquaintance. They that did see me without fled from me. He says, and this is, this is David stating his Where he is mentally right here. He says, I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. He he says, there's none to remember. There's none to help. There's no one around that can encourage. He says, I'm like a dead man. He says, I'm like a broken vessel. He said, there's fear on every side. It says there's those that took counsel together against him and they devised to take away his life. He said, this is the the lot that I find myself in right here. Well, you may not have exactly the same experience of David, and I, I hope you don't. But if you ever do end up in that situation, then some of the promises and some of the same truths that help David will help you as well. He says, but in all of this, he said, I trusted in thee, O Lord, So in all of the trials and difficulties that we experience in life, there's some principles that we should hold to right here. He says, in all of these challenges, in all of these difficulties, he said, Lord, I remembered something. I remembered that I'm to trust in you. I can't trust in self. Can't trust in others. I can't trust in this world. But I can trust in you. And the same one that helped David has promised that he's going to help you as well. He's promised that he's not going to ever leave us or forsake us. That he's going to be with us in all of our troubles all throughout our life. World without end until he takes us home to glory. And so the same promise that David had and the same encouragement David had. You yourself can glean from as well. So David said in the midst of my situation. In the midst of my challenge. I remembered that I need to look to the Lord. 
I remember that I need to trust in the Lord. I remember I need to lean on the Lord. He says, but I trusted in thee, O Lord. And I said, thou art my God. I tell you what, that's a real blessing that you can say that. That Lord, you're my God. You're my help. Now it gets even better than this. I mean, this is good, but it gets even better here in just a minute. It really does. David said, I trusted in you and you're my God. He said, so I know that the one that I'm trusting in has all power. He's the one that created this earth. And by the way, he created you and I. And he created the manual for us to go by right here. And then David says this right here. He says, I'm trusting in the Lord. You're my God. And then he says, my times are in thy hand. I love this portion of text over in John chapter 10. It helped me clearly to understand the doctrines of grace and the sovereignty of God. And it was a blessing to me when I was first taught this over about 40 years ago, 45 years ago. And it's still a blessing to this day. Let's see what it means to be in the hand of God. In the hand of God. John chapter 10. Jesus Christ is there and and there are some Jews that were challenging Christ. In John chapter 10, we'll go down and, and, and I really want to get toward the latter part of the chapter. Verse 26, 27. Real, real good right here. But Jesus says in verse... Uh, 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known of mine. He first of all teaches us that he's the shepherd, we're the sheep. And he knows us and we know him. He says, and as the father knoweth me, even so I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay, we're going to see here in just a minute that we're in the father's hand. But it also tells us that Jesus Christ laid his life down for his sheep. He gave his life for the sheep. He says, he says, and I lay down my life for the sheep and other sheep have I, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore, doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. And no man, and this is Christ teaching this, and no man taketh it from me, but I lay down my life of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. And this commandment I have received of my father. And then it says there was a division, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, he hath the devil and he's mad. Why hear ye him? And others said, these are not the words of him that hath a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? So here it says there was a division among the Jews there in his midst. And so they begin to challenge what he's saying right here. They continue challenging it. 
But it says right here, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple of Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And then the next few verses right here are really loaded with some really good stuff. So they're asking Christ. They say to him, if you're really the Christ, they accused him of being a devil. They uh, 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 accused him, uh, said, why would you hear him? He's a madman. He's a devil. And they said, no, a devil doesn't uh, heal the eyes of the blind. They're talking this amongst themselves. But then they say to Christ, they say, if thou be the Christ. He says, how long dost thou make us to doubt if thou be the Christ? He says, tell us plainly. Now, this next verse is real powerful right here. Jesus answered them and says, I told you and you believe not. Now, first of all, Jesus Christ is the only perfect preacher. So if a preacher had the ability to give somebody eternal life, Jesus Christ would be the one. He would never lose a case. He would always say it just right at the right time and just the right way. Always. But Jesus Christ responds to him right here and he explains why they don't believe. Belief is not the cause of your salvation. Your belief in Jesus Christ is an evidence that you are a child of God and that you are one of his. But the belief is not the cause of the salvation. The blessing that you have in believing in him is a great blessing and an honor that God bestows upon you because you are his. But these Jews did not believe And it was the perfect preacher that was delivering the message right here. So if if there was ever anyone that had the responsibility to believe and to embrace and to obtain eternal life, these folks did because they had the perfect preacher right there. Jesus Christ answers and he says, I told you. He goes on down to say, he says, not only did I tell you. But he says, my very works bore witness of me. He says, you didn't believe me because of my works and you don't believe me on what I'm telling you. And he says, now I'm going to tell you why you don't believe. I mean, he just comes right down to it. And Jesus answered them and says, I told you and you believe not. Now, if anybody was going to believe with the message, it would be these folks right here. And Jesus says, I told you and you believe not. He says, the works that I do in my father's names and those works bear witness of me. You don't believe me for what I'm saying and you don't believe me for the works that bear witness of me. And he says, now I'm going to tell you why you don't believe. He says, the works bear witness of me. But then Jesus Christ just simply says this. He says, but ye, and this is Christ in red. I mean, I'm reading it word for word. Jesus Christ says, but ye believe not 
Because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Now that's just just about as plain as it can be. But then he begins to shift gears here, not taking away from what he said right here. He said, these Jews that hated him, that called him a devil, that thought he was a madman, says, reason you don't believe is because you're not of my sheep. He says, you've heard my witness. You've seen my example. You've seen my miracles and you still don't believe. But the reason that you don't believe is because you're not of my sheep. Now, here's where he changes and here's where we have reason to rejoice right here. But he says, he says, you believe not because you're not of my sheep. And then verse 27 right here, it gets really good. My sheep, he's clearly said that there are some that are his sheep. There are some that are not. I believe the family of God is a large family. I believe that that, that there's a large family in heaven. I believe God has a big family. And here he begins to talk about this family that he has. He says, my sheep hear my voice. He just said right before that, that the reason they didn't know him reason they didn't hear him is because they were not of his sheep. Now he says, here's the evidence. This is an evidence that an individual is of me and that they're my sheep is that they hear my voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And and then he says, and, and this is interesting right here. He doesn't say right here and they know me. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. He's the one that's in the business of knowing who they are. I, I don't I don't question. I don't doubt. I don't challenge who's a child of God because he's the one that knows it. And that's really all that matters is that he knows who they are, where they are. He may not have chosen yet to do a work of grace within their heart that I might see. I might not even under I might not even recognize it clearly, but God knows who they are. And he says right here, he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And he says, and they follow me. Now, I want to put a disclaimer in there. Do we follow him all the time? A hundred percent. Every time, all the way. We miss the mark, but he knows us. He reaches us. He picks us up. He puts us on the right path and he continues to care for us. We never, ever fall out of the hand of God. We don't. And here's what he says. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And then here's what he says. And I. He says, and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Okay, here's one of the first inclinations, the first principles that we're in the hand of God. He says right here that I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. It's almost like it's a package arrangement right here. I don't want to say package deal because it's not a deal. We're not part of that deal. It is a it is a wonderful package that God puts together for the child of God that you have a hope in Christ. You have a belief in Christ. You have eternal life. You're in the hand of Almighty God and you're heaven bound and not only that, but he holds you up right here in this life as well. Now look at what he says. 
And he says, and I give unto them, he says, I know my sheep, they hear my voice, they follow me. I give unto them eternal life. And he says, and here's really good right here. And he says, and they shall never perish. So not a single one of God's family, of his children are ever going to perish. Why? Because he says they're not going to. He says they'll never perish. So you yourself don't have to worry about losing salvation. You don't have to worry about falling from grace because if you're chosen in Christ and you've been given grace in Almighty God, He's going to keep you all the way to the end of this life and then He's going to take you on home to glory. So you're kept by Him. You're not going to fall from grace. You're not going to lose eternal life. He says they shall never perish. And then he says something right here. I think this is really good. I mean, I can sort of picture this in my mind, and I think that's how we're supposed to do it. He says, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Means take them away. That means Satan or anyone else or ourselves included. Nobody is going to pluck us out of the hand of Jesus Christ. Take us away. So that's where we are. But he says something else that's even in addition to that. He says this. He says, no man can pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. He says, we're in the hand of Christ. We're in the hand of Almighty God. And no man can pluck us out of the Father's hand or the hand of Christ. So the psalmist said, my times. Certainly he's talking about our eternal salvation. But he's not just talking about one time. He's talking about all our times are in the hand of God. Now, that ought to be an encouragement to us. It covers a lot of uh, different areas of our life. See if we can touch on a few. Psalm 100, verse... Three says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God, and that he hath made us, and not we ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Know ye that the Lord, he is God, and he hath made us, we are his people, we are the sheep. Of his pasture. Psalm 138 mentions again, 138, verse, uh, verse 8 says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy endureth forever. Forsake not. He says, forsake not the works of thine own hands. 
the Lord is not only in the business of perfecting us, preserving us, but he's also in the business of improving us. Now, our ultimate state of perfection is when we arrive in glory someday. But the Lord, because he's a loving father, he perfects us in our journey along here in this life. And he says right here, forsake not the works of thine own hands. Psalm 139 talks about when this begins. He says in Psalm 139, verse 13, he says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. So apparently, even when we were in our mother's womb, he was protecting us. He still had us in his hand, even at that time. Even before we were born, we were in the hands of Almighty God. He says, I will praise thee. He says, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. He says, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. He says, Lord, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book, all of my members were written and were fashioned as yet when there were none of them. And then the psalmist just sort of steps back and he says, when I think about this, when I think about That God was knowing me and caring for me and loving me even before I was born. He says, when I think about that, he says, how precious are thy thoughts unto me. Oh, God, God was caring for you even from before your mother began to care for you. God loved you and he had you in his hand. So God was uh, mindful of you. He knew your needs. He knew exactly what you stood in need of. Even before you were born. And the psalmist says those thoughts are so awesome. He says they're precious unto me. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them they are more in number than the sand. When I wake I am still with thee. My times are in thy hands. He started from before the foundation of the world. When he knew you and he loved you, he shed his love upon you. Our times are in his hand even before we're born. And then when we're born and we're a little infant, As much as he blesses a mother and father to care for us, he's already there caring for us. Our times are in his hand when these young children running around. They know the Lord. They love the Lord. God's caring for them. God is loving them. Our times are in his hand when we get just a little bit older and we're raising our family and and Satan begins to throw some challenges and Struggles along the way. Moms and dad sometimes get overwhelmed. Sometimes get discouraged along the way. 
And we need to be reminded that our times and the times of our children are in the hands of Almighty God. And then when we begin to face this uh, difficult season of life in our latter years, we can be encouraged just like Sister Perry, who lived to be 104, still going around rejoicing in the Lord. So throughout all ages of our life, all of our times are in the hand of Almighty God. Our good times are in the hands of Almighty God. We're taught that we're to rejoice in the Lord. And he says it about three times in that chapter. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, and again I say rejoice. And he mentions it, I believe, three times in Philippians there that we are to rejoice in the Lord. In times of rejoicing, our times are in the hand of the Lord. And especially in times of difficulty. I read what a minister said about this and he said, as much as I delight to experience the joyful seasons in my life, he says, I'm reminded more through the challenging times of those little gold nuggets of extra grace from God. And he said, I've almost gotten to the point in my life that I would rather experience Challenges and difficulties in my life because it's during those times and those seasons that I seem to experience the closeness of God and the strength of Almighty God. So our good times are in the hand of the Lord and our difficult times are in the hands of the Lord. And we can be encouraged to know in our life That every station and situation in our life is filtered through the hands of a loving, gracious God. Satan himself would do you harm. But if you run over to Job chapter 1, we're taught Satan wanted to destroy Job's life. And the Lord said, you can touch him, but you're not going to touch his life. Why did he say that? Because he said, I've got a hedge round about Job. And you can only go so far to touch Job. Did you know that God has a hedge round about each one of us? Brother Mark, he's got a hedge around your children, your grandchildren. Every single one of us, he's got that hedge around us. Because not just our time, but all of our times are in the hands of loving God. David said, before I reminded, before I was reminded that my hands, my times are in God's hand, I got a little bit discouraged. But he said, then I remembered that God's my fortress. God's my strength. And that he has my times, every station in our life in his hands. And he comes down and he says, my times are in thy hand. He says, deliver me, Lord, make thy face to shine upon thy servant. He says, deliver me again, save me again, strengthen me again for your mercy's sakes, O Lord. 
He comes on down and the last couple of verses are really, really good right here. He encourages us. He says, oh, love of the Lord, all ye saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. And then verse 24 sort of starts, uh, ends up the way he starts out in the first verse. He says, and, 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 and he, he gives this to us to, to, to help us uh, go on our way and to experience our uh, encouragement in our journey in life. He says, you be of good cheer. And he says, and strengthen your heart, all of ye that hope in the Lord. As you make your journey down through life, he says, be of good courage. He says, he will strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Remember that your times, nothing is a surprise to God. God is not surprised God is not overwhelmed. God is not discouraged. He doesn't experience those things that we experience here. Our times are in his hand. Be of good courage. Be strengthened in the Lord. That's where our strength lies. May God bless you.